Welcome, my love, to the Living for Christ podcast. I'm your host, Anastasia, aka Anna Empowers, here to more deeply understand with you the rich fullness of God. Because when you understand your creator, you understand his creation, yourself, his world, all that he designed for you to be. God led me out of self-sabotage and insecurity and the new age deception by breaking chains that bound me to my past. And that is my mission here today with you to help you in him and in him alone break chains that bind you to your past, break chains of shame, of insecurity, of self-sabotage in him. So together we can be humbled and surrender to his glorious love and unleash the gifts that he willed for us to bring into his world for him and his glory, not for ourselves. He wants to guide you. He wants to pour into you. He wants to heal you like he's healed so many aspects of my life. When I didn't even seek him at first, God is so good, so patient, so perfectly loving. On this podcast, you'll receive inspiring stories and experiences and mistakes I've made all along the way, plus the unique perspectives of thought leaders on faith-based life and faith-based business so that you can amplify your faith in God's work in your own life. God wants you to store the unique gifts, talents, and ideas that he gave you. He sanctifies and clarifies your unique design the more you come to know and walk with him. God is the strength that I lean on every day to be made into a better steward, servant, wife, and woman for his glory. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to have an alum of mine, a former client named Peter, we'll call him. He is here to dive deep on something that's been fresh in his life and also goes back a little bit to our coaching. And I'm excited to get into it. Why don't you summarize what you shared with me in your application form and we'll go from there. Okay. I so I'm actually blinking on everything I, I shared on the application form. Is that sad? No, it's um, okay. Like I'm just trying to think I I'd sent it out because I know you're quite busy, so we'd sent it a while ago. Here I'm pulling it up. Um but yeah, I mean generally the things that have been on my mind is just sort of prioritizing different things in my life and um, I think specifically trying to restore my faith in people, I think especially women, and that's been that's been a challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's been like the biggest thing about it. Yeah, women navigating love and loneliness. Yeah, and then just uh, yeah, just really trying to understand that because I recognize like everybody's human, and I think there's a lot of difficulty kind of going around, and I feel like I I've without meaning to kind of fell into the cracks a little bit and I feel like I'm trying to claw myself out. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. In your form, you talked a little bit about where you're at in terms of the approaches you've been trying so far, right? You said you're kind of going out and trying to meet people and focus on service and selflessness. Can you tell me a little bit more about what that's been looking like? So, Something I've been doing for a while is I have my birthday coming up in like a week, right? And one of my traditions is I always do a service project uh, on my birthday. 
and watch a pirate movie. But um, so this service project, you know, I got together with a bunch of friends and we crocheted a bunch of these worry worms. And then we're going to put them in these little baggies, give them names, and then like leave them around in different like libraries and places so that people can find them. And then hopefully post on like social media. We'll have some accounts where they can tag them. And the idea is that like the worry worms will inspire people to go out and help somebody because that's what the worm does. And then uh, you help somebody, then you give them the worry worm, take a picture about it, have that bonding moment, and then you just see how many times and how far the worm can travel, right? And so, uh, and we're going to give different challenges for each of the worms. Like each of the worms will have something that that they want to do for somebody. So when you pick up the worm. Um, the idea is you go do that for somebody and then help them. And then you'll, you'll give it to that person. That person will go help somebody kind of thing like that. And so we're going to have a bunch of these worms go out and try to do that and see if we can have the post tag because then the worms getting the credit for it, not the person. So it seems a bit more sincere, but then that at least there's a record that people are doing. We'll see if it makes, turns anything up. That's this, that's this year's service project. Um, but like in terms of like, so I'll do things like that typically to just try and I don't know, make the world a better place. I remember when the pandemic happened, I went and dropped oranges off to all my neighbors. Like I lived in an apartment building. Yeah, I just went and did that. So I don't know, just doing lots of things and, you know, reaching out, saying hi, just being friendly, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I started working at this animal shelter which has been really rough um, because, you know, those dogs are fairly bad for them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I'm just trying to do things like that, try to reach out and connect with people that way. But it's really hard. I feel like people are just really wrapped up in their own lives and really like unless you integrate or kind of sneak into that, most people aren't going to take the effort. And certainly not reciprocate, you know what I mean? Like, they'll take it, maybe, but reciprocation is definitely off the table. So, for me, it's just kind of knowing where to put my energy. Mm. That's been difficult. Okay. I don't know if that answers your question. A little bit. It sounds like you're putting in a lot of effort in terms mm. of serving your community, doing things mm. out in the world that you said would make the world a better place. Like, it sounds mm-hmm. like you're trying to pour love into the people in your path. Right. And you started off by saying in this call that you're kind of, I don't know if you used exactly this language, but something along the lines of losing faith in people or humanity. (laughs) So tell me more about that and where that fits into you're pouring all this love into people. And then what? Well, Well, so I'm doing it. And I'm not even necessarily know what I'm expecting. That's one thing I've been trying to like understand what is a healthy expectation to have, right? Because I don't think you do anything. I don't think you serve people or do things to get back. Mm-hmm. I think it's more just whether it's like with things within myself. Because right now, like I, so you knew I had a business and um, I write. And I recently just took some time off. I mean, specifically because my family, my brother, and my mother, you know, they're like my family. 
Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons I'm living in this place that I absolutely hate is so that I could kind of connect with them more. And after spending a year here, it just seemed like a fool's errand. And it was about a month ago, I kind of just stopped contacting my brother because he was just such a douche. He was just such a douche about everything. And he doesn't really respect me. And, you know, because he works this corporate job and he's coming up on six figures. And, you know, I'm writing, like, I have my business and I'm traveling and I'm doing these things. I think that's kind of alienated a little bit from me. So as a result, he doesn't really respect me or my way of life. And, um, yeah, it's always just this sort of battle. And it just feels like he never really reciprocated. And then recently, because of some issues I've had, like finding a place is really difficult for me. I'm not sure if I talked to you with all the details why that was. But finding it difficult. Um, I mean, without getting too long into it. So about eight years ago, I got beat up by cops. Um, because my ex-wife uh, called them on me. Um, well, not really, but they tried to hit me with a bunch of DV charges. But you know, I had video evidence that she was in fact the one doing it, right? And so it was this awful court case that kind of, and then ended my divorce. I didn't get hit any of the charges against her, but they hit me with assault on a police officer, even though they the ones that beat me up. But I didn't have my camera on me then. So that was the only charge they could get me with. And then as a result of that, it's made it like really difficult to find a job. It's made it really difficult to find a place to stay. That's been like my status quo for like the last six years. So, you know, I was staying at Airbnbs and really struggling with that. And it's been difficult. And so recently when I came back to my, my place of origin, uh, it was difficult to find a place, so I was staying with a friend. But then that friend, he had been doing a lot of drugs recently. Um, and he's really changed since he started doing them, like, a lot. And then the rent was super cheap and affordable. And I remember he asked me to move out. And his reasoning was there were too many swords in the house. And I didn't even know what that meant. And he said, like, I was definitely the best roommate he'd ever had. He just didn't think he was a very good roommate. And so he felt like I needed to leave. So I was like homeless for like two months. Like I wasn't living on the street or whatever, but like I was traveling back and forth, um, doing these like medical studies in different places. Cause it was a place I could sleep. And then like, I was sleeping on, the, I was taking like the Greyhound bus, like going cross country so I could stay on the bus and things like that. And then my family and all these people who like I'd grown up with when I told them that, um, there was kind of this like serves you right mentality towards me, right? Like I was some drug addict or like, you know, selling stuff on the street or something like that. They kind of treated me like this pariah. And, you know, it's not like I didn't have the money. It was just legitimately finding a place to stay. So I, you know, was staying on buses, doing those medical studies. And then I kind of just shut everything down for a bit because I realized like I really needed to like find people who cared about me. And I know like I need to build my own foundation because that's kind of where I'm at. And so I started getting back into like, and I've had a relationship with God, but I think it really felt that emphasis last June, last June, almost a year now, last July. It really emphasized me that like, I really need to start focusing in on God. And I think 
Christ, you know, because Christ was God made manifest in the flesh, I realized I coming onto Christ and kind of understanding my relationship with him, I feel like will help me repair my faith in people because, you know, God was flesh made man and that's what Christ was. And so I feel like I have a really good relationship with God, like Heavenly Father. But the idea of Jesus, I think, helps me more understand where God sits with humankind mm-hmm. and understanding that mercy and that grace. So I started going to like a Christian church. Um, I don't know if you knew I used to be LDS. I figured. Right? Yeah. Why'd you figure? Because of your place of origin. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. So, um, but yeah, but I wasn't born. They treated me like trash when I was growing up here. I don't like Mormons. That's why, even though I believe, I think a lot of Mormon doctrine, like fundamentally, you'd say my thinking and the way I approach God is definitely like probably more Mormon than not. I would never identify as Mormon, especially here, because I think the people like I, in general are trash. Like I think they're just trash human beings and I won't want to associate with a lot of them. But that's like my losing faith in people, right? And so I'm trying not to even think or say things like that. Um and I've just noticed over like the last year and a half since I've been back almost two years now, just my just my general enthusiasm, perspective on life, just really eroding. Like I don't write anymore. I don't really feel motivated for anything. Um, money's been tight. Like everything's just been like really trapped, like not great, just not great. And it's like, I've just been slowly dissolving in this vat of acid. So I'm trying to get out, but I had one, I'm staying with a roommate now. I met him at one of these studies and he's been really, really helpful for me. He's really helped me out. He gave me a car to use, which allowed me to like kind of get some things done. Cause I don't want to buy a car here cause I don't want to stay. So he's been letting me use uh, one of his cars and, you know, I was able to, I met another friend who sent in a recommendation. So now I do basketball coaching for these kids. And so I'm just trying to like do things that I used to care about when I was younger, like children and animals and like service projects. Like, I don't like, cause you know, with my business and stuff, I was like trying to make money and grow big and do that. And, that was cool or whatever, but I felt like I was just doing that because I felt like I was trying to get people to respect me because I thought if people respected me, they would love me. But then after coming back here and working on my business and doing that, and then just seeing how little the people who cared about me and who gave me everything were, I just realized like, I still want to do those things. I still want to run my business. I still want to write, but it needs to come from the sake of doing those things. And there's still this part of me that's yearning for this foundation until I can settle that, I don't feel good putting my energy or putting that pressure on the things that I love. Like, I don't want to put that pressure of family and connection on my writing because I don't think that's fair to my writing, mm-hmm. right? I don't think that's fair to my business. And maybe that's just an excuse, but that's how I feel, right? So I definitely feel like I do need to solve this and like build a family. So I started trying to date and stuff, and it's impossible. American women are, you're from Russia, so that's why you're decent, but American women are crazy. No offense. I don't know if you identify as American. I don't know. So. Okay. So first of all, I had no idea that you went in this faith direction, that you went to God, that you went to Jesus. and. Really? Are you there? Yeah. 
that well the thing is it's been that way my whole like actually my whole life like i've always been that way but it wasn't apparent i don't think i was as upfront about it and i start being more upfront about it now but i was like when we first met i was totally into that like i was reading scriptures i prayed every day like i was really into it but i don't think i brought it up as much which was a problem so what does your life with God look right, look like right now? Do you go to church? Do you worship? Do you get into scripture? What is what does that relationship look like day to day? So, I mean, I pray every day, like almost nonstop, but like definitely in the morning and at night, but like I'm constantly praying. Like I felt like my relationship with God is such that if I got struck by a car, it would be like, why didn't you tell me that 20 minutes ago? Like, I wouldn't wake up and be like, oh, God, hey, I can't believe what it, it'd be like talking to someone on the phone for years and years and years and then finally seeing them in person. But you've been talking on the phone, so you kind of already know everything that's going on with them. That's what I feel like would happen if I died. So, like, I feel very solid with my God, relationship with God. I do go to a non-denominational non Christian church now, and I've been trying to put myself back into the Word. I haven't been as good with it. You know, um, I was doing this, so I'm currently walking the path, doing the path of the Omer, which is this, uh, this Jew, Jewish tradition that the Israelites, it's the 50 days between when the Israelites left Egypt to when they received the commandments on Mount Sinai. And I lined it up so that around my birthday, so next week, Tuesday, um, the idea is... I think I'm going to go on a camping trip, just uh, take some work off, take some time off, and uh, just try to receive revelation for what I need to do in my life. And you walk it with the seven steps of the Kabbalah, the lower Sephiroth. So this is the last week of that. And I've been doing that the last seven weeks since Easter. And so that's kind of what it looks like, you know, just doing everything I can. And trying to go to the gym. I don't know, take care, just take care of things. But it's been tough, not going to lie. Like, I definitely feel, like, very depleted, like, every day. Like, I don't feel, like, I feel, I'm, I've, some people would say, like, I guess I'm depressed. Like, I am legitimately probably depressed. I don't like using that word because I don't feel like it's fair, especially when other people talk about depression. I'm like, I'm not going through, like, what they're going through, but I'm definitely not, like, like, I'm definitely not on top gear, for sure. Mm-hmm. Going back to the community aspect, the connection aspect, right. what does that look like in your non-denominational Christian church? Like, is there room for They're really people? nice. Yeah. So what what are those relationships looking like for you? Is that a place you can pour into where, you know, people are more likely to pour into you because God pours into them? Right. No, I've definitely been feeling that. It's a little tough because I work at night and a lot of the smaller groups are at night. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been meeting a few people there. Like I met this one lady on Sunday and then she invited me out to play pickleball with some friends. So that's like a good lead. Um, I met this one, some people from Iceland because I'm actually thinking about going to Iceland once this lease is up. My lease ends in three months. And I have to get out of here or I'm going to like have to throw myself off a building or something. And I don't want to do that. So, um, 
but they've been pretty good. They haven't answered my text, but they're always really friendly when I'm at church. So mm. I don't know. Um, Cause it's really like, we're just there for an hour and we kind of talk and I'm meeting people or things, but no dramatic invitations or anything outside of like that one woman I met last week. So I'm just kind of build up slowly or whatever, but you know, things, it feels like things really take a lot of time here. So just kind of doing that. Okay. The reason I ask is because I find that this, I'm going to call it a void and I don't know if you feel it as a void, but speaking of personal experience, this void of meeting community, seeking community, seeking um, connection and family and love and intimate relationships, that's all there for a reason. And we are, you and I have talked about this at length, like we are yeah. designed for communal living. Right. On the one hand, church can provide that and other environments can provide that as well. I feel like church, the reason I bring that up is God fills that void in us. Um to an extent that no human can, right? That relationship, that unconditional love you talked about in Christ fills us in a way that no human ever can match because we we don't have the capacity to love unconditionally exactly like he does. We can, through relationship with him, be sanctified and become increasingly more like Christ through no works of our own, but through that relationship, through him, through his Holy Spirit working through us, we can become increasingly more like Christ, but we're never going to be exactly that. So this is like a twofold point I'm trying to make here. One is that relationship with God that seeking is the most nourishing, satisfying thing I have ever found. And two, God's people are the closest to that, the most capable of that through that sanctification process. Yeah, that's something I've definitely seen. I've seen that people who aren't, like, and a lot of people use the name of God, you know, one way or another, and then they show up differently. Mm -hmm. But I've just come to see that, like, specifically, like, I don't know. Now, I'm not necessarily going to say Christians, but I'm going to say, like, people who I, who I feel like are pursuing a relationship with God are really the only type of relationships I feel like I can honestly humor right now. Everything else just feels like it's every, a lot of people are broken vessels and have holes in them, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think we all are. And the difference is that God fills those holes. He yeah. fills those cracks. And without him, we can't do that on our own, no matter what we do. Like, I realized we worked together before I went faith-based in my business, right? So all those right. tools, although they seemed helpful, and I think they, I thought they were helpful. Clearly, I were teaching them for a reason. I had a good heart in yeah. the matter, but... In retrospect, I feel like, at least for me, and I'd love to hear for you, it actually just made me go in circles. I thought I was making all this progress and doing all this healing, but on the other side of it, when God opened my eyes, I didn't get very far. And then through him, he's made stuff fall away that I'd been trying to get rid of for pretty much my whole life. And it's effortless because he's the one doing it. Well, the way I do it, so using a basketball analogy, so at my coaching, you know, there's two segments. So there's the time when the kids will play at the team, right? And then that's 
And then they're, so that's when they're with us and the coaches, we're teaching them how to play together. And then there's skills practice. So they'll go and they'll just pound the ball a lot. You know, they'll do V dribbles, cross dribbles, split throughs, you know, we'll work on their footwork and things. And one thing I've noticed is, especially as I've been trying to get back into basketball myself and really ashamed at having let such an important part of me go, I started realizing like I can work on my skills ad infinitum in a vacuum, right? But I only really understand them when I'm in a game playing. But then when I'm playing the game, there's sometimes like I'll do something, you know, I'll try my best, my instincts or whatever. But then the coach will be like, why don't you just do this thing, simple thing here? And then it makes my life. And I'm noticing that with the kids, it makes their lives so much easier. And sometimes by learning all these skills and doing these things on your own, because you can't see the full core, like that's why even the best players on the planet have coaches, right? Because they can see the whole court and tell you, hey, you could have just done this simple thing here. And then when the players do that and they trust in the coach and they all work together, you see a better team concept come out and you start seeing winning basketball. I think it's the same concept I've learned in life. Like in life, I can practice all the skills. I can know all the skills, right? So I can know how to do all the passes. I can do all the handles, all that stuff. But if I don't know when I need to do them and I can't see myself on the court and I'm just stuck in my own little cell, even though I might have the skills, I'm not necessarily improving my impact on the game, right? And that sometimes an unskilled person who is listening to the coach and doing what they need to do will have a larger impact. And I come to see that's like people with God. When you have a relationship with God, like there are some people who don't know the skills of emotional regulation. They don't know how to self-reflect. They don't know how to do all these things, but they have a relationship with God. So God can tell them, Hey, to be this way on the court. They don't understand why they might not even have the skills to be able to do it, but because they're where they need to be when they need to be there because they listen to the coach, the rest of the team concept works. And then that leads to winning basketball. And I've seen that in life. Like sometimes like, even if I don't understand, especially when I don't understand, it's just important to, to be obedient and listen to those who know better. And that's where I think my relationship with God's really helped me. And I think sometimes, like, because what we were learning before, like, I think it was really helpful. Like, I'm not going to discount that. I think that shadow work you helped me do was really huge. I think adding the faith, because, like, I naturally always do that. Even though, like, we weren't talking about it, I was doing that for myself, right? But I did notice that as I started being more apparent about it and just my relationships and especially start talking to people, you started seeing things fall away quick. And that was what was really tough about coming back here was realizing when I started being more faithful and talking about God and being honest, suddenly all these people who I thought cared about me and all these things, and I started getting real, you just see all this stuff fall away. Even the people who are using that language, you know, but then you realize, Oh, they're not really about it. This is just a shield for them. Right. So, yeah, I mean, even Jesus says there are lots of people who say, Lord, Lord, Lord. And then when they come to him, he's not going to, he's going to turn them away. I I know you know. I don't know you. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who claim to believe or claim to follow God or Christ and don't actually live it and don't actually walk the walk. They don't. And the thing is, and you realize how simple your life becomes when you do it. So like something I did recently, and this was hard, I paid tithing on everything I'd made 
So like I took my savings and a bunch of stuff because like I'd have this 10% that I'd save for myself or whatever. And I was just doing that because, you know, uh, richest man in Babylon saved that 10%. And I'm like, oh, I've been effectively robbing God, right? Because I hadn't paid tithing for a while. And that was just a commitment that I'd made this last month. I was like, okay, from now on for the rest of my life, I'm paying tithing. And then, you know, then I'll pay myself. Then I'll have my bills. And then just putting it on God and just living that trust. And I think every time I've done something like that, like whether it was the time like I moved to New York on the impulse or I moved to different like to Spain and like every time I've followed my faith, it's always been hard sort of in that middle, but I always up level. And like right now, a big focus of mine has been like build a family and make sure you're attracting people of the spirit. That's one of the reasons why I put like my career and everything down because I felt like I was leading with that too much. Like, oh, I'm making money or I'm doing this. And like, I don't know. I was just, I just don't feel like my mind was right. So now I'm just getting back to like the simple things that I like, like helping animals and helping kids play basketball. I'm like, I don't make nearly as much money. And it is distressing because a part of me is, does feel like I took steps back, but it feels like right now, like from the get-go of the conversations I'm having, like right now, every single friend and someone I talk to, they're all they're all faith-based people. They're not all Christian, right? But they're all faith-based people, right? They all believe in God and they hold themselves accountable to their to spiritual law. That's my biggest thing. I was making my non-negotiables. And I, my first thing is actively pursuing a relationship with God and divinity. If someone's not doing that, then I don't, I don't mess with that person just because I can't afford it anymore. Mm. And this, this last year really taught me the cost of that. And I lost a lot of people. And it was really, I'm not going to lie, it was really devastating. It's hard. Yeah. When you mentioned those acts of faith that you take that always lead to up levels, for example, the tithing. Right. What, what does that spark in your heart? Like, is there a visceral change in your heart or in your emotional being in addition to any up level kind of externally? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. It hasn't happened yet. I feel like I'm definitely more of a cerebral person, so I have to see something. But it's always been like this. Like, I go, I do it, then internally I'm panicking. My brain is wreaking havoc with me, and we're like, no, we've committed to this. It's this internal fight. And then right before things turn around, then I'll he'll feel the peace. Mm-hmm. Like, the peace will just come. And, like, because, like, right now, having done that, like, stopping my business, not writing starting tithing, like really just stripping my whole life down. Like really, because like when I was, when it was weird when I was like, I have all this money, but I can't find a place to even stay. Mm-hmm. Right? Because like, and then trying to find friends to stick with me and then paying attention to the people and the friends who did help me. And then just realizing like, oh yeah, because these are the people pursuing God. So they feel accountable to that or whatever. And then all these other people are like, oh, we got you back. We love you. We love you. We love you. But they're nowhere to be seen, you know, and they would know. And that was really tough because when you start putting things on the line and you're vulnerable, a lot of people say like, oh, it's scared to be vulnerable because like maybe we don't want to be helped. But I think the hardest thing is realizing you do want to be helped. But those people who say they will help you don't help you. That was really hard because then you're like, oh, these people say they love me, but they actually don't. Yeah. Right. Trail. Yeah. And that was really, really hard. Just realizing like people who in your mind, maybe at least in my mind, 
I told myself like, oh yeah, this person loves me. And that had always been like a false sense of security to get me through. Like when I really started leaning on that, it fell through. And that's when I realized like I've been leaning on all these things outside of God. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's why I was like, I must pay tithing. Like I have like everything that can symbolize to God, even if I don't want to, like there's a lot of things that I'm like really rebelling emotionally and mentally, but it's like every way I can consecrate my life to God by deed, by action, like in the closet or whatever, like I'm going to do it. And I'm just going to make sure I was like, I'm, that's why I like putting down like my own vision of things for a while. Cause I, I'm going to pick it back up. I know that like, I don't think God will just let me abandon it, but it was really important for me to like, just get back down to that basic child that I was when I started this journey, you know, when I was a teenager. Yeah. So that's why it's like, I teach kids to play basketball now. Like I clean up dog shit. Like, you know, I do things like that. Cause it was just like, I want to write books and like, I make a lot less money now. And like, what's crazy is how much I don't care. And a part of me, like a friend of mine was arguing with me the other day and he's like, well, people are going to respect you, you know, cause he's really worried about me because he's, you know, he's Chinese. So they don't really believe in like faith or anything like that. Not all of them, not Chinese ethnicity, but just culturally he's very Chinese. So like money is like the ruling factor for him. And like me kind of putting my career to the side or whatever, he's really worried about me. And he was talking to me the other day, like, Hey man, like your career is not really going up. And if you don't have people respect you, people want to care about you. I'm like, dude, they don't care about me anyway. Like they don't care about me anyway. He's like, well, and he's worried about me. And then I had to get into him. Like, are you going to stop caring about me? He's like, no, but I'm different, but I'm worried. But I can tell like it bothers him because there's this part because his values are skewed. And I realized because, God isn't a central part of his life. So that's been really tough because he's like my best friend. Mm -hmm. But I realized like just centrally, it's like, oh, God's not a part of your life. So when I don't worship money the way you do, right, mm -hmm. we have this ultimate foundational disconnect. Yeah. Okay? He's being confronted. That's been, by... So it's been lonely. It's been really lonely. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that makes sense. It your decision is confronting his fundamental beliefs that I need money and career as a form to gain people's respect, which right. makes me really which sad. Which is the ultimate lever. Um, yeah, but that's how a lot of people are. And I just don't care anymore. Like a part of me is like, if you don't, like a lot of people have been like, I've just been being honest. And like some people are getting offended and mad at me. I remember I talked to this girl the other day. Um, and she even said, she's just so duplicitous and such a snake. Um, but she called security on me because what happened is I met, talked to her one time at the kiosk and we'd gotten in an argument about something that because she had lied to me about something and I called her out on the lie. And so she'd walked away and then I go back to repair it and just being like, Hey, like we didn't get off on the right foot or whatever. And she's like, yeah, that's cool. And she tells me all about her life. And then I go because she's got a job doing. So I was like, I'll come back in 20 minutes and you know we can reconcile it and hopefully everything's okay. And she's like, yeah, 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 cool. And then when I come back, she called security on me and they asked me to walk out of the mall. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? And I'm like, I'm here trying to reconcile with you. 
And then she's like, yeah, it made me feel uncomfortable. And when it's like, and especially when she was like, you're saying all this stuff in text. I'm like, literally read your text verbatim. You're literally encouraging me. You're literally saying all this stuff. You are. And it was just crazy. Like, it was like, and she's like, well, no, but I was just saying that because, and it was just like the lunacy. And I was sitting there looking at the security guard. I'm like, this is crazy. How can, if I cannot trust what you say and you expect me to read your mind and you are straight up looking me in the face and lying to me. You know, how am I? And then I said, like, I was just like, I didn't do anything wrong. That was the last words I said to her. I was like, I didn't do anything wrong. And she said, like, well, okay, if you think that. And I looked in there, I'm like, no, I was honest with you. I was up front. You lied. I didn't do anything wrong. And then I just walked away. But it was just like that. And it was just like, so, and there's so many people like that. There's been so many little incidences, not to that. That's the most extreme example, but there's been a couple other examples of things where like people will be duplicitous, say things behind your back, things like that. And I'm just realizing like people have accepted that as the way of the world. So everything's just leverage and image and power and manipulation. And I was just like, this is how people run their life. And I'm the crazy one because I'm doing what I'm saying because I'm presenting myself honestly, because I'm trying to be sincere, because I care, because I try. And I'm the weirdo people, man. And I, and, and before I'd be like, man, am I like worried? Is something wrong with me? Now I'm just like, dude, like I'm going to be the way I am. Like just really just being like, I was asked by my godly being, and we all know this is how we have to be. So I'm going to do that. And if I have to get killed, reviled, treated poorly, I'm willing to live with that. I don't care anymore, but like, it's lonely, it's hard and it's frustrating. And like, I don't like the type of person I'm becoming as a result. Like, I like one part of it. I like the resilience and the resolve and like the level of integrity and the, maybe it's pride, but like, I'm very happy and proud of the way I've been showing up in the world. But another part of me is also like these people, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's a mixed bag. And I don't like that part of me. Like there's this resentment and this like, like, damn near hatred of people i think especially like yeah it's bitterness right um but there's like this sense like the the caveat is that pride that sense of faith that sense of like i'm living and being a person i said like that sense of internal like peace that's really solid that's why i was like telling people i'm like i don't know if i'm really depressed because like that sense of internal like is really good like i feel internally very at peace with myself but like i feel at war with the world Hmm. Okay. So what I want to do now is I want to do, I guess it's kind of like a prayer exercise. I want to pray together um, and just kind of commune with God and see if he brings anything through for us now. And if he doesn't, he might you know, communicate with you on your own time and like in your own right. relationship. But I want to really give him the floor. Is that okay? Okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right. It's so, the way. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us together here. Thank you for pouring out our hearts so that we may we may come together and we may encourage each other and we may understand each other and all for your glory and to seek you, Lord. I pray that the man in front of me today that you open up his heart towards you in a new way that you explore any cracks or brokenness or wounding in him, Lord, 
so that you may fill it with your love, with your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that those broken pieces may be sanctified so that he can feel you again, not just know you, not just walk with you and serve and do all these things in the image of Jesus, but also to feel you in his heart regularly. I pray that he encounters you today in a new way, that he feels you viscerally in a new way, that you reveal to him a piece of your plan for him in in community and seeking others and others love for him. And I pray that right now in this moment, if it is in your will, Lord, that you show us anything that still needs to be addressed in this session, that you show us anything that he would benefit from exploring and anything that would benefit from your outpouring of love now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Appreciate that. Were you were you raised in the church? Were you raised in a church? No, I um technically was raised Russian Orthodox Christian, but it wasn't right. really practiced. Right. Um, but you can listen to my testimony another time. I wanna I wanna see yeah. if if there's anything that God wants to say right now through you, if there's anything that is coming up. And if not, that's okay too. It's okay. I'm uh, I'm doing this side gig. Um, you know, this money's been tight since I um, gave up savings. That wasn't really mine. So I've been doing this, um, a lot of these side gigs. I've been feeling like I need to, I don't know, stop working so much. Like just in general, because I realize even when I'm not like physically working, I'm still like mentally working mm. or like just trying to distract myself. And that's something like I feel like I need to just stop working so much. Like yeah. do the things that I know I need to do, but still trying to like, I guess, work my way out of a box. Maybe that's the problem is like I see myself as being in a prison. Mm. Well, maybe it's not that maybe it's not that but I can't appreciate it for anything but that if I don't give it anything but that energy you know what I mean yeah and it also sounds like if you were to work less your faith would need to deepen if you were to work less you would have to rely on him a bit more and a bit differently. Yeah. 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 That's something that really hit me. I just stopped. I feel like that's one reason, like, especially the beginning of this year, I felt like this, like, my desire to write, like, do my business and a lot of things, I feel like they were just slowly taken from me. And like a lot of like my ambition, my fire, my passion, a lot of these like effort was kind of taken from me. And I was trying to explain it to my roommate because I was like, I don't feel very good, right? And I'm not very depressed. 
And he was saying, he was like, that's interesting because I don't see that because, you know, you're always doing so much. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, well, you talk about like you're feeling trash and like you don't do anything, but he's like, you're way more productive than I am. Mm. Right. And I was just like, oh, and I've noticed that, like, I think a lot of people have a hard time, I think, even seeing how I'm feeling because like I'm always doing something, you know, whether it's like, you know, the service project or, you know, I'm walking the path of Yoma right now. I'm always studying. And even like when I'm like lazy or doing some, like not doing anything, I'm still doing something, right? Um, yeah. And in the word, there are several coins. I'm thinking of a couple right now where God tells us to, my translation says cease striving. In other places it says be still. And yeah. why do you, why do you think that is? I think that's when you can see his work. You know, I think if you're always moving, like, and it's funny because I accuse a lot of people of being Martha. Remember Martha in the Bible? Mm -hmm. I accuse a lot of people of that. And I'm like, you're being a Martha. Being a Martha, just like missing the things. But sometimes maybe I'm a bit of a Martha as well. Mm -hmm. But I don't. Because, you know, I want to be productive. And I think, I think especially like, I don't know, I've been feeling like I haven't really... I'm going to be turning 34 this year and I don't really feel like I have anything to show for it. Like I don't, I'm married, don't have any kids, like not even like catastrophic mistakes, which I think is good maybe. Right. But like, like outside of the few books I've written and published and, you know, I've had some impact with my business and stuff, but it's not like it's grown to anything substantial. What does just, that mean to you? The substantial, like, because maybe God is using you exactly where you are and is using exactly what you've done already. So what is it that, what is this more that you, it sounds like you're seeking? Uh -huh. Is it a family? Family, something self-sustaining, like just continuity. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know who's going to be in my life two years from now. I don't know, like the people who were in my life two years ago aren't in my life now. Like, there's mm -hmm. just no continuity. You know, like the only continuity is like Oni alone and like my dreams and my visions. And so like, that's why it's been really hard to kind of let that rest for a while. Cause I feel like if I'm not building that, then what else do I have? And sometimes I wonder like, you know, part of me is like, well, maybe I just need to finish and get these visions and dreams out there. But I guess there's a part of me that's afraid if that becomes the foundation of my life. You know, like I don't want my career and my, my books or things like that to become this foundation for me because if they do then like the way they're like their performance or how they do or how they show up in the world begins to become this critical axiom upon which I value my life and that's not fair and I don't I'm like there's a part of me that's always known like that's troubled that's troubled water you know I've just always known that but I feel like now that's like self-sabotage when I talk it out. So, and like, I realize like, I feel like I've always had a relationship with God, but maybe not. Maybe I don't think until this last literally like, like five or six months, like after going homeless and being in this weird twilight zone where it was like, I have money, but I can't find a place to stay. That isn't an expensive hotel. And just realizing like, I didn't have anything sustainable. It was this weird twilight zone. And like, and I just realized that was like, oh, yeah, like I can have all this stuff and all this leverage, but there's always just going to be more and more and more and more. And none of this like cares about me. Like I'm always just going to have to do more 
and there's no peace in that. And then, I don't know, I really started just emphasizing, like, wait, I need to make sure my, my life is in God. So anything that, even if it is from God, if God is not the core of it, or, like, if I associate it with anything else, I've got to put it down, or it's got to go. Mm-hmm. And that was really hard for me, like, not writing, because uh, part of me is like, if I'm not a writer, what am I, you know? Like, if I'm not a businessman, what am I? If I'm not a son, what am I? If I'm not a brother, what am I? A child of you God. Know? Yeah, fundamentally. And I've been really feeling that. Yeah. And I've been really feeling that. But you're right. Like, I don't feel, like, I feel this sense of pride and stuff when I'm alone. But, yeah, when I go out, I realize he created everything around me. But it's like I struggle to see God in so many of the things around me. Like, I see it in myself. But it's like learning to see it in other people. That's where, like, Jesus has become much more central to me. Because I'm like, God, like, hopefully through understanding Jesus, I can see how all this stuff or even these people, how God is in that for me, you know? Yeah. I want to share a quote with you from Tim Keller. He says that helplessness, not holiness, is the first step to accessing the presence of God. I really heard that in your story today, that the past year and especially the past six months have been i mean it sounds like the past several years have been really yeah. challenging for you and it led you deeper into that relationship with him yeah maybe that that was the blessing maybe that was the whole point of it all yeah maybe he needed you on your knees so that you would finally put him first in a different way yeah thought i had been but live and learn i guess yeah. As we wrap up, I would love to know if there's anything else that would be helpful for you, if there's something you want to walk away with, if there's a further question you want to ask. No, I'm just, uh, I have a question. Where, where do you, where do you as a woman reconcile sort of, like, when do you feel like, the expectations because i guess in my mind they're not any different right the idea of like what god demands from a man versus what god demands from a woman because on a fundamental level you're just a child of god so for me it's not fundamentally different but i do feel sometimes at odds because i realize in society especially there are things there are different expectations and i feel like i run into that so where do you reconcile the differences you see in society, but also recognizing your account, holding your accountability to God. Because I'm, I'm, I guess for me, I'm trying to wonder what that looks like in a woman. Because I just feel like sometimes, like as a female, you don't have to be held accountable to certain things. Like as a male, as and so it's like, how do you hold you accountable when society at large and other people don't hold you accountable? This is something that. My husband believes also and has brought to me in the past in a frustrated way that women are not held accountable. They're not. Really not. <laughs> you guys can get away with murder. And <laughs> literally. <laughs> I've always had a hard time understanding it, I'll be honest. I don't fully grasp the con one second. It's like an airplane or something. I don't fully grasp the concept. Um and you have accountability. <laughs> well, of the fact 
of the idea that you're stating that women aren't held accountable, but it's also because I've never been a man. So I can simply acknowledge that our experience in society is definitely different. Right. And that it varies also across culture and race and all of that. Um, And still, I don't, I don't relate. So I don't get it fully. What I will say to answer your question of, it sounds like there's like a three part question. The how do I reconcile the difference between the societal expectations of me and what I'm going to paraphrase as Lord my role as a child of God? Yeah, God's right. expectations of me. And to very simply answer your question of accountability, of course, we're accountable to God above all else. Um, and also, the people of God in my life are really valuable for me to go to um, with doubt around whether I'm doing or being the right thing or what have you, because they have God in mind. They have God's standard in mind. So their standard matches God's, unlike society's standards, which don't at all. Right. For me, my experience with society is probably different, but it's very much been live your truth, do whatever you want. And maybe that's the woman experience (laughs) of no accountability, but that's not at all what God calls us to, right? We are called in essence, in summary, to be like Christ and, you know, to do our best in that. And then God does the rest. God moves through us and changes our hearts and changes the desires of our hearts and we become more like him. So does that answer your question or do you have a follow-up? I mean, it it makes sense. Do you have like specific measures like scriptures? Like, do you just like, what are, can you give me something specific? Like, so for instance, like one of the reasons why like, I like, for instance, I followed a lot of tithing and like I dropped my savings, like, and it was literally everything I had, which was, and it was a lot of money too. So it went from like this sense. And I, I remember when I got the prompting to do it, because it, it felt like this would be like really showing that I believed. And like the church and the people I would give it to, they had no idea, right? Like my roommate, like you're probably the only person I've talked to about it, right? Because, you know, I'm being transparent with you, but. Like, for me, it would be like, oh, that would be a really bad a thing to go from, like, having security, not needing to work, having where everything is solid, to now paying God because it's, like, recognizing, like, whoa, I have effectively been robbing him. Because that's how it hit me. It was like, oh, I've been effectively robbing God, right? And this is actually his money, right? And I'm just holding it in this account for whatever I want and then just giving it back to him. And then making sure I commit to that and then putting myself in a state maybe of struggle. Like how I'm like, how much more would that show faith like that? So how do you do things like that? Because like, for instance, like when this chick was a B to me, right. Or like somebody's rude to me, I'll be like, I need to try and reconcile. So I'll go and try and reconcile that with a person. But like, I don't typically see that type of behavior from a female. Like I don't, I can't think of a single female who's gone out of her way to apologize Right. And plenty of had like but something like that. So a part of me is like, how do you like realize, oh, I did something wrong. I'm going this is the law that I need to do. And then I adhere to that through your actions. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I'm does that make sense? That's kind of what I'm hearing. Yes. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm wanting. Yeah. I think for me, and I can't speak for all women, so I'll just speak for me. Yeah, speak, um, speak for yourself. Yeah. yeah. God convicts me. So with that prompting, it sounds like God convicted you to give this money back to him. God convicted you 
that you don't own anything in this life, that it all belongs to him, that he created it all. He created you, your body, it's all his. Your life is his. And so you started living accordingly. And that's a conviction, right? Just for anyone listening who's just wants clarity on what I mean by conviction. Um, And I mean, there's a bunch of ways God has convicted me in my life for starters going faith-based in my business, but I'll tell that story another time because it's a longer one. No worries. That's a good one. Definitely make that video. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. When it comes to, I'm going to speak to relationships because it sounds like that's kind of at the core of your question is this dynamic between you and a woman. Right. And between me and my husband, one of the roadblocks has always been my pride. And I think that's kind of what we're yeah. getting at. One of the yeah. roadblocks has been my pride. I also grew up right. in a family where that was central to both of my parents. And right. neither of them was quick to apologize. Certainly not to me. I don't really know what their relationship was like exactly right. um, behind closed doors. But we were not quick to apologize to each other. So I grew up carrying that same pride. And right. with this relationship with God, God has, like I said, changed the desires of my heart. He has softened me. He has softened my heart. And he has effortlessly started to make me more into a biblical woman. And that includes like right. submission to a husband, which is a whole other topic. Um, yeah. But when it comes to say conflict and like apologizing first, that was not something I did easily. And God started to convict me. And what that looked like in practice was I felt something. I felt him convict me. I felt bad. I felt, I felt him in my heart prompting me to soften and to apologize. And over time that became more and more quick. I would feel bad right away. And I would apologize right away. That pride began to fall in many different aspects. This is just one area. And he changed me. So for me, the change took place from knowing him and him working in me. Right. Okay. Does that answer your question? That's a good example. Yeah. That helps me kind of understand it. And the part of me is just understanding like what rhetoric to pay attention to and stuff. Because I, one thing I've decided is that like everybody's going to fall. Like I'm not going to take. Like what this woman did, the next woman's not going to pay for it. That's something like I really convicted mm. to recently where I'm like, no, everybody is going to live and die by their own relationship and stance with me and with God. That's it. Like I'm not going to take and drag all this other shit and all these other pain, all these other wounds I've had from people and put it on this next lady. Like I'm yeah. not doing that to anyone like anymore because I think I did that with my girlfriend and I wasn't fair. So I'm just like trying to understand like what does that look like so I can look and take an individual as they are and not see a woman and just make her go through all this stuff that's not her and not put but then also not be too lenient when someone starts doing the same BS, right? Because I want people to stand by their own stand on their own feet with me. So that mm-hmm. helps me. Thank you. The other thing that has stood out to me in marriage and in my own observation yeah. twofold. One, learning for me, this is might be more of a long-term relationship thing because I think it does right. matter when you're dating somebody that you assess whether they're a viable partner. But right. um, long-term for me, <laughs> this right. acceptance that my husband is different and, and drastically different from me. So for example, my pursuit of God looks very different from his. I'm, I have a more obsessive personality. So if I'm doing something like waking to sleeping, I'm always pursuing God. 
and he's more like in the world and you know he also has a a job that's not faith-based like i get to my own business whatever i want but he has a job he also writes he's a writer all this stuff and he his relationship with god is very different he doesn't pursue him as obsessively as i do um yet when we talk about the fruits of the holy spirit right i think i'm sure you're familiar i cannot all of them i'm really bad at memorizing scripture but he he exhibits them so well and i do not so clearly he's doing something right even though his perception of the lord looks different to me from the outside his relationship with him must be tight because he exhibits the fruits of the spirit because he walks as christ way more than i do and so that's one thing is like respecting how somebody else's i guess manifestation of christ in their life different than my own example and then the other thing which is actually from a sermon series that my church did on relationships and there was one element that really stuck out of being the first to apologize being the first to reconcile like you said like you do like being the first to say i'm sorry in a conflict even even if you don't know if you're wrong just being the first to soften Right. Stop tugging on a rope and like creating this tug of war. So it sounds like you have the same principles in mind and it's just living them and, and letting God put you in front of the right person. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of times people look at vulnerability and humility as weakness. Yeah. So and that and but I'm realizing that's just their la- that's just their inability to see the truth, right? Yeah. I used to worry about it, but now I'm like, no. This person's not able to see the truth of the matter. It's not my problem. Yeah. I saw a meme yesterday that was something like, this was a political meme. Um, As liberals and conservatives are reaching for each other's throats, Jesus would wash their feet or something like that. Yeah. And Jesus is the best example of humble strength. Like he, he had has ultimate strength and he chose to suffer and he chose to be humiliated and tortured and all this other stuff and disrespected and it didn't yeah. make him weak it actually made him strong it showed it his humble his. strength his strength and humility absolutely and that's when i'm realizing like i need to embody more and really try and stand on that but it's hard because i'm a prideful dude prideful dude so or i have been prideful in the past but I definitely, maybe I wouldn't define myself as prideful. Actually, the other day, a lot of other people, I said that, they're like, I would not describe you as prideful. But I'm definitely passionate. So, that's what it is. Let's uh, keep in contact. Maybe when I round, round the world and peace out, we can get a few sessions done. I like that. I always enjoyed working with you. So, thank you. Thank you so much. And I'll be praying for you too tonight. I appreciate that. God does something miraculous in your life and in your heart. Thank you so much. Sounds good. Thank you. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Thank you for listening, my love. I'm so grateful for you, and I hope you took something powerful away from today's episode. If you haven't already, hit the follow button so you never miss a new episode. And if this episode felt valuable to you, go ahead and leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts so that other children of God like you can find this podcast so we can reach more people. 
we haven't met yet, I would love to meet you. Go over to my Instagram at Anna Empowers and say hi, send me a message. I'd love to chat with you. Also head over to my website at AnnaEmpowers.com to dive deeper and explore both free and paid offerings God has been pouring through me to serve you so that you can ditch those shackles of conditioning and your past and step deeper into the stewardship God has called you to. Remember that God holds all the power. He created us to lean on him, not to do it on our own. He created you wonderfully and beautifully as an integral piece of his kingdom here on earth. So steward your gifts with purpose. I love you so much and I'll see you in the next episode.